Hi, I'm Steve Bartlett. It's Wednesday at 7 o'clock. That means it's time to fight back. Thanks for showing up to watch this weekly excursion into whatever I'm obsessed with at the time. Right now, it is about guns. I promise you that I'll be talking about guns um, ever since the shooting in Parkland, and I'm going to keep talking about it until we exhaust every topic associated, which, which I think is relevant. Uh, but before we get there, I want to talk about this week. I had a great week last week. Friday was a fantastic day for me. Um, in court, I was able to win a case in court. A judge in Pasco County granted a motion to suppress, and because of that, all the charges were dismissed, which is fantastic. Let me tell you what a motion to suppress is for those who don't understand it. According to the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution, uh, we are protected against all unreasonable searches and seizures. And the police officer can only um, search and, and seize you if he has something called probable cause. Uh, there's a, it's more complicated than that, but we have these constitutional protections. And if evidence is found illegally because your constitutional rights are being violated, that evidence is suppressed. Um, there's something called the exclusionary rule that says if evidence is found illegally in violation of your constitutional rights, the evidence is thrown out and cannot be used against you in a court of law. It's called the exclusionary rule. And there's a doctrine that they have called the fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine. And what the fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine says is that any evidence, if the tree or the roots of the tree are poisonous, then any fruits that come from that uh, tree are also poisonous. So what happens is the police officer violates your rights and uh, at any time, and then any evidence is then found later, which is a fruit of the poisonous tree, that evidence is excluded and cannot be used against you. doesn't matter what the charges are, whether it's a misdemeanor, whether it's a felony. Uh, my case involved a police officer not having uh, reasonable suspicion that a crime was taking place, and he seized a person in a vehicle unconstitutionally and found evidence as a result of this illegal seizure. Uh, because the judge, who actually followed the law, and I was proud of her, um, and the Constitution was, was respected, all the evidence was thrown out so my client was able to walk. Now, some people call this winning on a technicality. But the technicality that people are referring to is actually the United States Constitution. In my opinion, the Constitution is never a mere technicality. No law needs to be protected more than the United States Constitution. So the judge wasn't uh, helping a criminal win on a technicality. The judge was following the Constitution and making sure that the police, when they do their jobs, are following the law. And that's very important. The reason why people who actually technically committed the crime are able to walk when the Constitution is violated is, it's the only way we can ensure that the Constitution is being protected. If a police officer is allowed to violate your Miranda rights by beating a confession out of you, if that confession is admissible in court, there is no incentive for the Constitution to be protected or followed by the police. If the police officers ignore the law requiring a search warrant or laws requiring um, probable cause before doing a search, if they don't have a warrant, then if that evidence is allowed to come in anyway, then what does the Fourth Amendment actually mean? The Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution only have real bites to them if the police officers are punished for their illegal activities. When someone does something illegal, it's called a crime. And so what the exclusionary rule does is it protects citizens from criminal activity by the state. It stops the state, meaning the government, from being criminal as well. And justice is only served in which everyone is respecting the law. 
So that's why it's so important for the Constitution to be protected by courts by striking any evidence that is found illegally in violation of the poisonous tree doctrine. So I was very happy justice was served and I got to be a hero last week for my client. There is the poisonous tree behind me. I've been waiting for that graphic this entire speech. I kept saying poisonous tree, saying where's the poisonous tree? But there it is, kind of cool, the little poison in the tree. There you go. Okay. Um, and I also want to thank viewers for, um, for watching the show. Our ratings are doing really well and I'm not just having people watch the show who are those who are on my side, even though there's a lot of people who watch it and tell me that they like it, that they've learned a lot, that I'm actually doing a pretty good job. There's a lot of people who actually hate me and hate what I have to say, and I am very grateful that you guys are watching the show too. I'm very happy that you guys are engaging by posting nasty comments about what I say on the show, saying how stupid I am or how wrong I am or how I don't know anything. Um, the reason why I'm happy about that is because that's what this country is all about. This is America. America is a country where people are supposed to have different opinions and are supposed to be able to engage in debate openly and honestly. I am so fortunate that at this day and age, I'm able to be reached worldwide and let my opinions be heard everywhere, that what I say matters, that people actually listen to me and can respect me and disagree. And I do it without any violence, without any fear of people coming in the middle of the night and, and sticking their boot against my throat and dragging me away. I'm, I'm so happy that we live in this free country. So even though you are against me and you're against my ideas, thank you. Thank you so much for, for actually listening to me and caring enough to actually comment, okay? When we come back from commercial, I'm gonna talk about some of these ideas that people have said uh, where they think I was mistaken from last week's show and I wanna rebut that briefly. And then what we're gonna talk about is we're gonna talk about primarily on the show the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, also called NCIS, and how that affects uh, crime and people who purchase guns. So we'll see you right after the break and we'll talk about these issues. I'm Jerry from Hot Locks Hair Salon. We are conveniently located at 13414 US Highway 19 in Hudson. I've been a local hairstylist in our community for the last 34 years, seven of which I was an educator. Our passion is the artistry of hair and Hot Locks is here to help you achieve your perfect image. You can call us at 727-514-9978. Welcome back. 
Um, I got a lot of comments last week. Uh, most of them were talking about how wrong I was, how the features that make a assault weapon, those features being the folding stock, the pistol grip, and the flash suppressor, how they're just purely cosmetics, and I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, my favorite comment was somebody said that because I don't know what I'm talking about, I should just leave the country if I don't like it, which is kind of funny because that shows that the guy was pro-Second Amendment, but he's obviously against the First Amendment. But, buddy, even though I respect your Second Amendment right, respect my First Amendment right. It's my country, too. I'm not going anywhere. And you know what? Neither should you. Let's engage in the debate. That's what makes America great. Okay, but most of the people's comments were just basically saying that I was wrong, that it was cosmetic, cosmetic, cosmetic. And I did a lot of research on Google and looked on the Internet. And you know what? The NRA has had a lot of propaganda saying that those things, the flash suppressor, the barrel shell, the detachable magazine, that they're all purely cosmetic, that that's not what makes an assault weapon dangerous. However, the one thing that is without question and this is kind of funny because I don't know much about guns. I've never owned a gun. I've never even fired a gun. I've just read about them. Is that it's pretty clear that these things are put there by a designer for a reason. They're not just there to look cool. They're not just a racing stripe. All these features have in common is that they make it easier for a person to use rapid fire. Even though it's not an automatic weapon, Whenever you have a weapon, a powerful weapon, there's going to be some sort of recoil, and then it's going to take time for you to aim and shoot and fire a second round. By allowing there to be a pistol grip, by allowing there to be a folding stock, it allows the recoil to be less severe and allows people to aim and fire off additional rounds quicker. That is why these features were put on it. They aren't just racing stripes. So if you guys are for guns and love your guns and own these, you should at least understand why these features actually occur. And remember, you guys are lucky. The assault weapons ban was a compromise. Even if 90% of the danger of, an, of these weapons are caused by the fact that they are semi-automatic semi -automatic weapons with detachable magazines, you know, automatic loading. Okay, let's say that's 90% of why they're dangerous. And the other stuff is only 10% of why they're dangerous, okay? The fact that you're allowed to actually have a semi-automatic with a detachable magazine anyway means that the NRA had a lot of pull and a lot of influence in the original assault weapons ban. They didn't come back and say, you're not allowed to have any, any, any semi-automatic weapon at all. You're not allowed to have any. You were allowed under the semi-assault weapon ban to have semi-assault weapons with detachable magazines. You could have all you want. They were grandfathered in, okay? And you could keep all those weapons and buy new ones as long as they didn't have two or more of those features, the pistol grip, the folding stock, and the flash suppressor. If you wanted a semi-automatic rifle with a detachable magazine and a flash suppressor, totally legal under the assault weapon ban. If you wanted to have one with a folding stock, totally legal. If you wanted to have one with a pistol grip, totally legal, okay? But the NRA wanted more than that. They wanted all of the above. And that's where the law came down and said, you know what? You can have a semi-automatic weapon with a pistol grip, with a folding stock, and a flash suppressor, but you can't have them all together. So you know what? If you guys are so greedy that you aren't willing to compromise on anything, the next time the law comes, they're going to say that you can't have any of those features. And you know what? They just might ban all assault weapons by defining them as being any semi-automatic with a detachable magazine. So these features won't really matter. It doesn't matter if you get your racing stripe or your cosmetics. They're all going to be made illegal. 
unless you're willing to compromise and do the right thing. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. What we're here to talk about today is the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, also called NCIS. Next graphic, okay? Now, how did this all start? Well, back when Reagan was almost assassinated, one of his people was also shot as well. And his wife, because he took a really bad bullet, became an activist big time to try to change the law. So this is a story about a man named Brady. And that's where we came up with the Brady Bill in 1993. Most of the bill was written by Chuck Schumer, for, uh, current Senate Majority Leader, and that's what it is. The NCIS, we're going to call it, or the criminal background rules that came out in 1993 after the uh, almost assassination of Reagan and Brady. Okay, so what does this require people to do? Well, let me go through it because unless you're a gun owner and haven't gone through this, you don't understand what actually happens. If you want to buy a gun from a gun dealer and you go to the gun shop, the first thing that happens when you get there is they give you something called a form 4473, okay? Uh, it's a form called Form 4473. And um, this form, I had a form with me, and it just looks like a regular form like this. I can lie and tell you this is the actual form, but I left it in my car by mistake. So I'm just using this as a fake prop. But what the form actually does, it's a questionnaire. And it asks you certain questions, and you have to fill this out honestly under oath. First question they ask is, are you the actual buyer of this firearm? Okay, now the reason why they do that is to prevent people from being straw purchasers. A straw purchaser is somebody who buys a gun for somebody else. So let's say I've got a buddy who's a felon and they're not allowed to buy the gun and I go in there for a hundred bucks and I buy the gun and then give him the gun. That's illegal, that's called a straw purchase. Okay, you can only buy the gun for yourself. However, there's an exception to that rule and that is you're allowed to buy it as a gift for somebody. So if someone's not paying you any money or doing a favor for a favor, like I'll paint your house if you get me the gun or something like that, and you're just doing it as a gift, you are allowed to buy guns for other people as long as they are otherwise eligible to, to have the gun. So you can't just get a gun for your buddy who's a felony, who's a felon. You're not allowed to do that. That's still a crime, even if they're not paying you. But... Uh, you have to be buying it for yourself or for a gift for somebody who's eligible to have the gun. Okay. The second question they ask you is, are you currently being charged with a felony? That means, do you have active, uh, an active charge? Have you been indicted, which is what they do in some states and in the federal system, or have they filed an information against you for a felony? Not a misdemeanor. If you're indicted for a misdemeanor or charged with an information by a misdemeanor, doesn't stop you from being able to own a gun. Okay, the definition of a felon, felony, for those who don't understand, is any type of crime that is potentially punishable by more than one year in jail. So if it's um, 364 days, it's a misdemeanor. It's 366 days, it's a felony. You can go to prison for it. Even if you're not going to prison, even if it's a, even if it's a first offense, if it's punishable by a felony, uh, punishable by, a year in by more than a year in prison, you're not allowed to own a gun under the federal law. Okay. The next question they ask is, have you ever been found guilty of a felony? Okay. Are you a convicted felon? Now, just because you're charged with a felony and you're punished for a felony doesn't make you a convicted felon. There's something called a withhold of adjudication in which a person is still punished for the crime, but they withhold a, former, a formal adjudication of guilt. 
Under those circumstances, you are not a convicted felon and you do not lose your right to own a firearm. A withhold of adjudication is okay, but an adjudication of guilt is illegal and you're not allowed to have a gun under those circumstances. The fourth one is, are you a fugitive from justice? If there's active warrants out for your arrest, you're not allowed to have a gun, whether it's a felony or a misdemeanor. Another way you can be a fugitive from justice is if you're unable to be served for a crime by fleeing the state and moving somewhere else. Now, there's a huge discrepancy amongst the states and with the federal system as to what the definition of a fugitive is, which has caused a lot of problems, but fugitives from justice are not allowed to own guns. The next question is the strangest one of all, and this is a problem in the questionnaire that they ask people. The question is, are you an unlawful user or are you addicted to marijuana or any depressant stimulant drug or controlled substance? So if you take any illegal drugs, including marijuana, okay, or you're addicted to something, so even if you have a legal prescription but you're addicted to it, you are not allowed to check that box and it's illegal for you to own a gun. Okay? And they have this big warning on the form that says, warning, marijuana is illegal even in states where it is legal. Even in states like Washington or Colorado, you are not allowed to check off that box and buy a gun. It's against federal law, even in states in which marijuana is legal. Even in states where it is allowed to be used for medicinal purposes, you are not allowed to own a gun if you have a prescription and you use medical marijuana, it is a felony for you to own a gun and you are prohibited from owning a gun. Now, I have no idea how they prove whether you're addicted. It's self-reporting. No one's turning you in. There's no law saying, there's no background check saying whether you're a cocaine addict or not, because if you're a cocaine, you're convicted of cocaine, you're a convicted felon. But you don't have to be convicted. If you get a withhold for possession of cocaine, they can say that, you're, that you are a um, cocaine user, and they could say that's a reason for you to, to not own a gun. But they don't say whether or not you use drugs in your past. It says, are you a user, not have you used? So it's very impossible to say or to, to punish people or prohibit them because of the drug use, but it is a crime to do it. Now, if you walk in there smoking a joint and you're buying it, then they got you. But it is a crime to be using drugs illegally in order to do that. So We'll get back to the rest of the things on the list under the 4473, which prohibits you from um, owning a gun when we come back after a word from our sponsor.
Hi, I'm Jerry from Hot Locks Hair Salon. We are conveniently located at 13414 US Highway 19 in Hudson. I've been a local hairstylist in our community for the last 34 years, seven of which I was an educator. Our passion is the artistry of hair, and Hollox is here to help you achieve your perfect image. You can call us at 727-514-9978. Thank you. Welcome back. The next thing on the list that you have to check off is whether or not you've ever been adjudicated as being mentally defective or being committed to a mental institution. Now, that doesn't mean you've been diagnosed as being bipolar or having a mental condition. In order for you to be prohibited from owning a gun, you have to, there has to be a lawful determination that you're either insane, a danger to yourself or others, or incompetent, which requires you to have been institutionalized or for a court of law to make that decision. So just because the doctor may have diagnosed you as having a mental problem does not exclude you from being able to own a gun. Okay, you also can't be an illegal alien to have a gun. You couldn't have been discharged um, dishonorably from the armed forces and own a gun. Um, you can, could never have denounced your American citizen and own a gun. You can't have a domestic violence injunction entered against you that's currently in place and have a gun. And you could not have been convicted of domestic violence. That requires an adjudication. Domestic violence is a misdemeanor. So even if you have a misdemeanor domestic violence conviction, it prohibits you from owning a gun, okay? So when you get this form, what you have to do is you have to sign it under oath, under penalty of perjury. If you're lying, it is a felony. You can go to federal prison if you lie, okay? And then what happens is there's no waiting period. They, they call on the phone, and almost instantaneously in most cases, they're able to say yay or nay whether you're allowed to own a gun or not based upon the database that supposedly done, which compares the information you put in your application with what the federal database controlled by the FBI actually determines, okay? Now, if they, for some reason, the computers lock up and sometimes they don't have an, an instantaneous result, but if after five days, if they still haven't said yay or nay whether or not you're eligible to get a gun, guess what? You're allowed to get a gun. Even if it later turns out that you're not eligible, doesn't matter. If they give you the gun, they, go in, they can sell you the gun right then and there if they haven't heard anything back from the national database, okay? Now, there, the point of the law, first when it was written, was for there to be a three-day waiting period for anybody to buy a gun, but the NRA successfully lobbied against that when the Brady Bill was actually passed, okay? Now, there's a lot of problems with this law, and I'm going to go through them quickly because we don't have that much time, okay? The most important problem is that only, this is only required if there's a licensed dealer, if it's a private sale from person to person, there is no background check. So if person A, a buddy is selling a gun to a buddy B, he does not have to do a background check, okay? Only licensed dealer. Gun shows, they don't do background checks at gun shows. Only if it's a licensed dealer. And that's a huge problem because if you know you're not allowed to buy a gun, don't go to the gun shop. Go to a buddy, go to a gun show, then you can buy it because no one's going to be checking to see whether or not you're eligible to own a gun or not, okay? The second big problem with it is that prosecutions are extremely rare. A half a million people were denied the ability to buy guns between 2008 and 2015 because they lied on their application. And yet federal prosecutors prosecuted an average of under 250 cases per year. Half a million people committed the crime, 250 people were prosecuted. If people aren't being prosecuted for lying about these crimes, about lying about their eligibility to, to get a gun, What's to stop them from continuing to lie and try to gain a gun illegally? What's this, 
whenever a person goes in there and they're not allowed to buy a gun, these people should be targeted. They should be at least questioned, if not arrested and prosecuted, and questioned about why are you trying to buy a gun when you're a convicted felon? They should, the FBI should be all over their ass, okay? Like white on rice, they should be going after them saying, hey, you guys are trying to get a gun. You've been baker acted. You're insane. There's something wrong with you. You have a DVI against you. You committed domestic violence. Why are you trying to buy a gun? They should be prosecuted, but if, even if they're not, they need to be investigated. Okay? Lots of problems with the database. The Department of Defense does not universally input those dishonorably discharged into the database. That's why, De why Devin Kelly, who killed all those people down in Texas at the Baptist Church, was able to buy the gun. He was not eligible to buy the gun. The system, he slipped through the system. A lot of the mental health information is actually missing as well. That's why the Virginia Tech guy was able to kill. If the database was done correctly, he would have been prevented from owning a gun. Okay? Plus, about 21 million criminal records are not accessible by the NICS, and millions of criminal records are missing. Critical data. And most importantly, states are not required to cooperate with the NICS. Okay? A lot of these states which are anti gun control and are hardcore when it comes to uh, gun owners' rights, refuse to cooperate with giving the information to the NICS. Others give incomplete, lousy data, okay? But there is some good news. There has been some success. Between 1998 and 2014, approximately 1.2 million people who tried to buy a gun illegally were turned away. Now, people sit there and say, well, criminals know how to get guns other ways. There's 1.2 million criminals who tried to do it the legal way who were prevented from owning guns solely because of the law, okay? That would have been 1.2 million criminals who should not be owning a gun and those who are mentally ill owning a gun who shouldn't have guns. The law worked in preventing those 1.2 million. How many people would have died without the Brady Law, okay? And here's some more good news. It's not great news, but it's good news. After Parkland... Congress got off their ass and actually did something. They passed bipartisan legislation as part of the budget bill earlier this year, okay, that Trump signed. And what this does is federal agencies now need to submit plans to attorney general saying how they intend to upload all records. Political appointees at agencies that don't comply will not be given annual bonuses. Wah, okay, it should be much more strict than that. And $125 million is available to states each year from 2018 to 2022 to improve the verification of criminal records and report them to the FBI. Okay? Now, $125 million ain't much. That's what our military spends every two hours, but it's a start. Okay? Still, we don't do anything to force the states to comply, and that's got to change. See you next week. Go Bolts! Fight back!